Doing the Woo, a Doctor Who podcast where we rewatch, analyze, analyze <laughs> and discuss and the crown jewel of Camp TV. We are the Doers. I am Daphne, and I'm Irma, and that's it. <laughs> and we are the Doers. We're the Doers, and today we're doing episode three of season one, The Unquiet Dead. Exactly, and this is uh. Unfortunately, the first of many Mark Gattis episodes. Oh, God. Um, and they are not the best out of, out of the Doctor Who episodes. They are quite famously some of the worst. Yeah. But I think, I mean, that's how I felt with this episode, at least. Like, I, I was expecting worse. But this is, like, infinitely better than... The Chibnall episodes of Doctor Who that he wrote when he wasn't showrunner. Obviously, like, his episodes as a showrunner aren't great either. But just, like, talking as people who are writing episodes by episode, they're not great. Yeah, um, I, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's watchable. I did find it kind of hard to concentrate at times. Like, the mm. mind really wanders. While you were watching this, I was very easily distracted. I mean, when Daphne and I rewatched this for the first like, time, yeah, last year sometime together, uh, we were not paying attention at all. So we were very drunk. Yeah, we were pretty drunk. We were a couple of wine glasses in, <laughs> and we were just not very focused on what was going on. So, and I doubt I was focused the first time I watched this either so in a way this was like kind of my first viewing of this episode that's what it felt like yeah like for the first time I'm actually paying attention to what's happening (laughs) uh and I it was still a struggle to do that but it's our first period episode it's our first episode set in the past Mm -hmm. and that's fun Daphne and I are both like big fans of history yeah and we really enjoy the period episodes i think arguably don't kill me you might jump over the table and strangle me i'm a little bit bigger fan of history or at least in a different way than you are oh no you totally are yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) sorry god (laughs) how dare you say that to me i was like so scared this podcast is over you you are because you're more invested in like actually educating yourself on history i think i I think for you it's not i shouldn't speak for you but i am gonna do that anyway i think for you it's just (laughs) you just like history in general yeah and i'm like very like i can exactly pinpoint why i love history yeah it's like more (laughs) it's more of an interest of yours whereas yeah for me it's like more like an extension of my interest in art and literature. Yeah, that's good. I think that that summarizes it pretty well, but not on its own. I'm not like gonna just do research on random historical periods, but um, yeah, as a as an aspect of my other interests. Yeah. So I think, in a way. Your definition of how you feel about history is quite a good definition of exactly how the Doctor Who team feels about history when writing this episode. <laughs> That's insulting, on the other hand. <laughs> For them? I mean, I think... For me. Oh, no, I don't mean... The thing is, I honestly think, having seen... Uh, maybe we'll see if I change my mind. 
this is one of those episodes where I feel like they really just give history like like last episode the earth was in was its own character but this episode it's like history is its own character where it gets it's it kind of has weight like that first scene of when rose sets foot in history like i mean this season this era of the show i mean obviously because it's trying to gather a whole new audience it's really like takes care to let you feel what Rose feels and it really yeah I mean lets it have that kind of weight so they're so careful just like that shot of her foot sitting down on the snow yeah that's how I would feel like I would just be like I mean, I'm oh a nerd God. but this like is just like in Toronto there <laughs> yeah this whole episode is very it's giving it's giving you calendar <laughs> It is. It's very, it's very mysterious Oh my god. Um, but depressed. <laughs> yeah. So like Swedish Christmas television. Yeah. So Julkalender is uh, an annual event. It's kind of it's like a Christmas calendar, but it's an episode of a TV show. Uh, Aired every day in December. Exactly until Christmas yeah. and. Uh, They've been doing that since the 60s, so kind of like Doctor Who. Oh my god, that's, so, that's true. Since exactly the year 1960. Oh my god. And uh, Trolltider was the one from 1979, which is my favourite, and I forced Irma to watch a bit of it. And, <laughs> and it's a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece, I love it so much. I'm like one of those few people who gets like really riled up about Yul Kalender. <laughs> but obviously, I have a Pinterest board. Oh my god! For the Yul Kalender, like I have one for Trolltida. Oh. I have one for soon this Yule. Do you or, have one for this year, or I no. mean this Christmas? No, um, no, not this one. Uh, not the. Not this one. Not this one. That's the Swedish one. <laughs> for accent. this Christmas. No, uh, I have one for. Um, Holm, which is kind of like it's a castle with ghosts that's why I, this reminded me and of actually that. a relative of mine is in that series really? yeah who? Um, Klaus <laughs> that's sick wait yeah. that was that's your uncle your dad's uncle uh, no my dad's cousin um, when this do I him. get to meet him? Oh. it's always that with all the best episodes they're always oh the best uh, UK lenders Hello? Klaus? <laughs> oh god, Klaus! <laughs> Let's get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> we completely went off the rails so badly. This is a period episode. We go to 19, the 1860s. 1869. 1869. This is the first 69 in Doctor Who. <laughs> no! no yeah. And we meet Charles Dickens. My least favourite person. Every, it should be everyone's least favourite person on Earth. But apparently Nine loves Charles Dickens. Nine Dickens. loves him. Oh, and we have to discuss this because... He says great expectations sort of like his favourite person. No! Um, but Doctor Who does this thing with historical figures, especially like artists, 
where they hype them up to such an extent that it becomes like kind of ridiculous it's the same thing with Shakespeare and it's the same thing with uh, Van Gogh that like these are all great people great artists but like when they're in the Doctor Who episodes the doctor is always like you're the greatest artist who ever lived and people will remember you for all all of human history same with agatha christie that like <laughs> there it's just so like it's it's a lot i think and i mean it's fine but it's just kind of a curious element right? yeah he says that people will be reading uh, dickens books forever I know, unfortunately. Did you just drink wine with your tongue first? <laughs> you stuck your tongue in the wine glass. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like collected along the rim of I'm, the wine glass. You're rimming the wine glass. <laughs> God. Okay, so we have some beef with Charles Dickens. I have so much beef. And your problem with him is more like biographical yeah uh i don't care so much because i don't really know anything about him as a person except for what you've told me uh but i have read one of his books which was great expectations i love that you based your like your personality around how much you hate charles dickens and you only read one of his books i know but i'm never ever going to read anything by him again because it was such an horrible experience but for some context (laughs) i read quite a lot of classics like i tend to read books from that era um so it's not just me being like a stupid millennial or something um not understanding the high art of dickens no definitely not but i genuinely despised great expectations and he has so many other famous books that i feel like i ought to read I should read, like, Oliver Twist and A Tale of Two Cities and uh, Christmas Carol. But I don't know if I'll be able to because I really hated Great Expectations so much. Uh, So we'll see. (laughs) Maybe one day in the future. Uh, Yeah, Great Expectations just has this incredibly obnoxious writing style where (laughs) every single line Dickens is trying so hard to be very funny and to make some kind of stupid joke and it becomes unbearable and i wanted to read yes okay yeah i wanted to read to you guys a note that i wrote in like 2017 when i was reading this book and (laughs) i wrote like not a review exactly, but I wrote down some thoughts that I had. And I had completely forgotten about this and then I found it again recently and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot how much rage this book inspired. Um, so here are my thoughts. This is from, okay, it's from 2018. <clears throat> I'm only about 200 pages into Great Expectations and I really dislike Pip as the main character. He's probably one of the least sympathetic characters I've ever read about. Selfish, cowardly, proud and jealous. A massive pushover who feels bad about everything, but never does anything about it. Had I encountered him as anything but the main character in any other book, 
I would have interpreted him as an embodiment of the lowliness of human nature. <laughs> oh my god. Ouch. That's the whole thing. <laughs> it's just so funny to me. It started off as like a normal kind of like yeah, just bad like, review. Here my like, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. And then it's just like, this is the worst, <laughs> this is the worst person on earth. <laughs> an embodiment of the loneliness of human nature also could you have said it in any more pretentious way <laughs> probably not i'm channeling dickens oh god well yeah so those were my thoughts and it's like yeah we talked about this earlier that i almost want to reread this book because i want to be able to like put together a coherent review or like yeah some coherent thoughts about why i didn't like it because it's like i just repressed everything that happened in that book because i hated it so much and i've just forgotten all about it um but i would like to be able to like argue and make my point about it and not just be like oh it sucked because i think that i really had some valid reasons to dislike it but, yeah, yeah, I I read an abridged a version. I was just annoyed with Pip. Because, <laughs> you know what? I think what makes that name at least funny for me yeah. is the fact that Pip sounds a lot like Pippa, which in Swedish is a slang for fucking. <laughs> Pippa, which is, it sounds so <laughs> disgusting. It does. Pippa. We Pippa. No, this going to You know, my... my Oh, another similar slang for fucking that sounds like pipa is nuppa, which is somehow even I've worse. never heard these words. Never! No. And, okay, and I'm very happy about it because my, they do sound uh, awful. My uncle, who was in the same, who was also um, a humanist. Uh, he was also a human? No, a humanist. A humanist. <laughs> Shut up. At our school that I'm not going to mention the name of. Mm-hmm. Um, so he went to the same... Linia in school that we did. Really? And at the time he was there, he had so much sex that he was called Nuppe. Because <laughs> yeah. he Nuppe there so much. Oh, that's horrible. He's, a, he's kind of an icon in our family. I respect a player. Good know? God. The real Don Juan. <laughs> no, I think the thing Dickens, like, uh, just to. Uh, first answer what you said about Doctor Who and like an artist mm-hmm. and then also get into why I don't like Charles Dickens um, first of all I think I mean we talked about that when we rewatched watched Agatha Christie episode the first time how like they treat her as if she's like Sha- okay Shakespeare I get it's Shakespeare yeah. he is a genius and his obviously his plays are really good yeah, and he laid a lot of, like, the foundation for English literature. Exactly. Yeah, so, English language and culture. But the thing is, he's one of those characters... As, as soon as Doctor Who gets too far back in time, respect no longer works. <laughs> so they don't really respect Shakespeare as a human being. Now he's just kind of like an asshole. Yeah. And Elizabeth I, an asshole. Like, we don't respect them, but we respect Charles Dickens and we respect everyone from the 18th and... No, sorry, the 19th and 20th century. Agatha Christie, Van Gogh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I get, but anyway, I get why you would say, why they would, you know, react that way to Shakespeare. And I think the whole point of the Van Gogh scene, even if it may be, it's incorrect or it's you can't really say that someone's the best artist of all time. I mean, it definitely cheapens the scene. They're like, he was a really good artist. Like it's kind of the point is at least there are people who think that Van Gogh yeah. is the best painter of all time. Mm-hmm. I guess look for Christie kind of sticks out from this lineup because we're like, her books are good, absolutely. And it's cool that she did that, but they're not like, there's not a lot of, depth in they're not like thought provoking i think they're good but they're like she's a genius and like she's really smart obviously but is she in league with shakespeare is she in league with van gogh Mm -hmm. who knows i wouldn't say so personally yeah i haven't read a lot of agatha christie and i probably won't because i'm not very big into the mystery genre Mm. but yeah in that genre she was obviously yeah a huge influence mm. and like a very important writer but yeah it's just that it's this reoccurring thing in doctor who to uh, have historical figures and like hype them up a lot and that's yeah that's how I f- that's fine it's just kind of a funny thing that they do that's how i feel about dickens but i feel like that's also part of like the victorian thing like the victorians thought they were the best and the brightest and the like the only people who mattered in yeah. history, they were like, "Oh, everyone else has been wrong." Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, like, <laughs> yeah, it's just the Victorians thought they were so great, and obviously they um, managed to create a lot of uh, evolution and stuff happened that they. I mean, we have to give them credit, but at the same time, kind of an overblown ego, and I feel like that kind of. Charles Dickens might be part of that because they kind of tooted their own horn and you know that's only so many I think that's only like three or four generations ago that we were Victorians so yeah I mean my my, yeah my my mother's great grandfather was a Victorian so 1800s Mm -hmm. not Victorian because we're not Swedish we're Swedish but um so I think that kind of carries on why so many like 1800s writers are kind of seen as like these geniuses where they're all i mean is charles dickens good no <laughs> no <laughs> obviously he's done something oh to garner this we should buddy read one of his works and watch each other go crazy buddy read yeah buddy read for a book club you mean what do you mean? Have you not heard the term buddy read? No, what's that? It's when you read a book together. It's like a two-person book club. The thing we do. That's buddy reading. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, but, but I don't know, I think, like, but, like, I again, I've also read Great Expectations. Was it good? Yeah, sure, but, like, it's not something like Orlando or some other classics that I've read where you're just like, wow, I see why this stands out compared to everything, everything else that came out at the same time and mm-hmm. why it's kind of still still revolutionary. Mm-hmm. It's a good book. 
depending on taste. But well, it's not like, again, it's, it's not doing much, I think. But on a personal level, I hate Charles Dickens. And I that's a big part of why... That, I mean, this episode works for me. It could have worked a lot better if they weren't like, Charles Dickens is a great person. <laughs> because Charles Dickens was married to a woman called Catherine Thompson Hogarth for 22 years. But when he was 45, he um, met and started a uh an affair with an 18 year old uh called nelly turnan and uh it's still gross because uh, he's 45 and she's 18 but what makes it even more gross is the fact that at this time he had a 17 year old daughter <laughs> oh god so um and then he left his wife and at the time it's so much worse because as a wife in the Victorian age and throughout most of history, you don't have any rights to anything. You're so reliant on your husband. Yeah, so it's not yeah. just like you're someone doesn't love you anymore or doesn't love you at all and left you for someone younger and that kind of, again, which ties into what we said the first episode about Jackie and mm -hmm. jealousy and female um, internalized misogyny, but um, also, when he leaves you all of a sudden you're destitute and you don't have basically any income and you're shunned from society um and the family issue is actually brought up in this episode it's mentioned that he's like kind of uh has this rocky relationship with his wife but it oh. <laughs> and then at the end he's like Time to go back to my family. And then he doesn't reconcile. That never them. happens because he's with Nelly until he dies. Oh. If God. I remember it correctly. So that doesn't happen. <laughs> Great. So, do so, like, Russell, no. If you're even going to mention it, like, at least do something about it where, like, the doctor's, like, something. I don't know. But it's just, like, maybe it's because it's kids who are supposed to be able to watch this and don't. Supposedly, there's lots of sexual stuff, too. But, like, don't. Don't do that. I don't know. Just like do something. Just little, little tiny piece at the, least. The thing about it is that there is no reason for Charles Dickens to be in this episode. No. They really, he doesn't. Except for Mark Gattis, who wants him to be there. Oh, yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, it's more like, oh my God, Charles Dickens is here. And we can make funny jokes about the doctor liking him. But, um... It's not like in Agatha Christie, in the Agatha Christie episode or the Van Gogh episode, where that is actually vital to the storyline and the episode is about them. In this episode, you could have cut him out completely and it wouldn't have changed anything really. Kind of like in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Yes, kind of, yes. It's a telltale sign if your episode isn't good. <laughs> if <laughs> yeah. I can compare it to Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Oof. It's probably not great. Oh, yeah. I just... Mm. I still think it's watchable. Yeah. And that's a big step up from where I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. In like a tier list. Because there are definitely episodes 
sadly of Doctor Who were just unwatchable and I don't mean that in the sense as the the BBC throwing them out in the 60s I mean <laughs> as like I am able to watch them but I can't watch them yeah it's just it's so bad but either way I mean I don't think Dickens the char- the Doctor Who character is completely unbearable as a character in this episode he would have been if his manner of speaking was like adjacent to his writing style that would have been absolute torture for, <laughs> for me but in this he's just a guy like they could have included him and given him a different name and he would have just been like mr cartwheel or something cartwheel <laughs> and he would have been he would have been like a random victorian dude so he he doesn't really bother me in this episode because there's nothing about him that makes me think oh yeah this is very much like the real person charles dickens no no yeah sure which i think doctor who doesn't pay a lot of mind trying to History. make their historical figures like accurate and feel like the person do research to make them feel authentic like with Shakespeare I mean you don't get the sense that like oh yeah this is what Shakespeare was like no they want to do like a big old switcheroo where you expect one thing they're like what Shakespeare is actually kind of gross like you're just like (laughs) Which, if you've read Shakespeare, you would know. Yeah, but not in that way. He's a lad, but, like... He's a lad, but he's also, like, profoundly deep and sad. (laughs) But... Local Shakespeare is down here. I've read, like, two plays, so I can't even say much. And also Robin Hood, Mm. who is not exactly a historical figure, but... They're still like, <laughs> their vision of Robin Hood is so horrible and I hate it so much. And But with that episode, yeah. that's kind of the point. Because they mention like how fake he is and he's like, you know, he's ha and everyone's annoyed by it. Mm-hmm. So we as audience aren't really meant to like him. But at the end, we're yeah. supposed to like find he has a heart of gold anyway, sure. even if he's annoying as fuck <laughs> yeah he's arrogant but he's anyway Char- anyway Charles Dickens I haven't um, actually there's I think this is funny for us there's the scene where Rose meets Dickens mm-hmm. and oh she, yeah and she's like who's this guy and he says it's Charles Dickens and she kind of like winces she's like okay <laughs> yes I was also thinking I mean, she just goes okay yeah. <laughs> it's so funny Ah, I stan Rose Tyler for not giving a <laughs> shit about Charles Dickens. Yeah, she never reacts to it. She's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I think, okay, already getting into the working class stuff, but I think maybe that's because he's like upper class. Yeah. Reading Charles Dickens maybe is like an upper class thing, whereas Rose is more concerned with Gwyneth. Yeah, I mean, Dickens is kind of famous for writing about the working class and it's even brought up in this episode. Oh, okay. He focuses a lot of on 
injustice in society that's pretty much the focus on a lot of a lot of his stories and the main theme that he brings up but yeah i think it's become more of like a high status thing later okay. like nowadays i think it's um it's viewed as more pretentious i guess to uh, read dickens and understand his works and consume his books but at the time that it was written he was very much on the side of like the poor people kind of like shakespeare's like. become high brow but at the time he was you know anyone can go yeah. see him yeah exactly and it was mostly normal people who went to see him mm -hmm. at the globe yeah, so uh, it, it makes sense in the way that, that you say, like, okay, Rose would view him in that way, maybe. Oh, yeah. But it's um, it's not really true of how he presented himself in those days, at least from what I know, or, or mm. like um, the topics that were important to him and that he wrote about in his books. Mm. Okay, that's good. I, I like that you have that. To bring to the table because I had no idea. Oh well, I think. I mean, think about Oliver Twist. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. The poor orphans who. Oh yeah. Are forced to like. Great expectations again. Yeah, because Pip's poor, and um. Yeah, he's poor. <laughs> he's yeah, poor. yeah, oh, the personality. It's, it's, <laughs> it's about like the corruption of his character through becoming a gentleman and yeah. like how that maybe worsens his character yeah okay yeah. sure yeah that sounds good and i mean i think those so i'm not when i'm criticizing dickens i'm not saying that like the things that he wrote about were not important i just hate how he wrote it yeah i just hate i just hate his writing style i think it's very annoying and he's someone who i would like to punch in the face <laughs> and i think his stories are really horrible but like the messages are fine that's how i feel about mark gattis yeah he's so arrogant about his writing <sighs> it's just like he thinks whenever i see any interview with him he's just like I thought it'd be fun to do that. And like, do you know how boring your stuff is? <laughs> no, because you keep, you know people, so you keep getting away with this. Mm -hmm. Why have we been, like, that's, okay, actually, I have one compliment to give Chris Chibnall. And that is that he has not had a single episode written by Mark Gattis. Oh my God, that's true. But that's yeah, probably be because Gattis because doesn't want anything to do with him. <laughs> yeah, and because he fired everyone who had ever worked for Doctor Who. Or when, they left. When he became showrunner. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> that's not... Just like in case someone's screaming. Um, that's not totally true, of course. Nikki Wilson's still there and there are other people. But majority, you know. You get what I mean. But I will give this episode something. Um, and I think the way... It's not perfect, but again, like what I said earlier about history being like an, an outside character, I think they handle that quite well because history, I feel, I feel personally, at least for me, I feel the weight of history, like they talk about, like just one of the first lines, um, 
once they land, Rose says something, you know, Christmas 1860, it's gone and it's dead. Mm -hmm. It'll never happen again. And just those like short lines, mate, <laughs> it's so stupid. But it made me really think about life and like something so small is just like for the people who are there at the time, it's just Christmas. Mm -hmm. But for Rose, yeah. who's never experienced it, and she gets to have an outsider's point of view. This is an extraordinary thing because it's a day in human life that's kind of like encased, like it's in a museum because it only happens once and never again. And it just, and again, the footprint in the snow and um, Gwyneth says something about like how Rose I mean Rose and Gwyneth relate to each other quite a lot despite the time in between them but Gwyneth feels that she understands that Rose doesn't respect her and that Rose thinks she's stupid just because she's from another time oh I thought about that as well which ties into the whole Rose is kind of rude thing that we talked about last episode but honestly i get that if i traveled back in time and i met someone from the victorian age from the 1500s yeah. i would think they were stupid just because i generally know so much more because i'm from this time yeah, I, like they'd be like they'd be like oh i'm sick i'm gonna bloodlet and, yeah, and i'd look at them with like mm -hmm. a judging eye and they'd obviously feel like you we are friends, but you look at me in this way like I'm stupid. You would definitely be prejudiced. Absolutely. If yeah. Encounter someone like that. Uh, and also because Gwyneth comes across as kind of stupid. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I don't quite like this type of character that... Um, appears like kind of frequently in Doctor Who. It's like the female, it's like quite a um, timid female character with some sort of um, ability, like supernatural ability or something that the other characters rely on, but she's so like feeble and um, weak or something that it becomes a conflict of the episode kind of like in Hyde you know oh Emma Grayling exactly I was just gonna ask who you who were you thinking of I was thinking about her I was also kind of thinking about the little girl in Rings of Akathan she mm -hmm. also kind of falls into that trope of like a woman who's so like, oh, she has to do this very important mission that only she can do because she has the power or something. But she's very, like... I mean, in that case, it's not because she has a power or anything. It's just because she was chosen since she was a baby. Yeah. She's just a sure. normal person who they were like, she's a god. Yeah, but she like... also has, like... Yeah, okay, so it's not something she's born with exactly, but mm. she knows all these songs, mm. right? She's supposed to... She supposedly knows all the songs and all the stories ever yeah. and she's the only one who does so there's still yeah that ability that she has but i think it's not 
yeah she's also she's she's also a child she fits in but she's also not like someone it's not like she fucks up the plot or anything it's not like Come on, you can do it. Like well, she, she does. I, do I mean, not wake from slumber. Yeah, but <laughs> that's he's the one who fucks it up. Um, oh, that's true. It's not her. She she gets it right. So, it's, but they well. it's she kind of like they save her and help her, but it's like it's quite early on solved. Like she does it and she fixes it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, no, it's never that. like the main plot of the episode. No. But it's like sort of in the background that I, that they they have to use this poor innocent woman or this poor innocent girl yeah. who really doesn't actually want to do this and the companion feels very protective of them. I have another one. Who? A shielder in The Girl Who Died. Okay. Okay. I don't remember anything from a from season nine. In but case I w- someone I will else, trust you. in case someone else doesn't matter, uh, not doesn't matter. <laughs> my inner feelings and thoughts just came out about you, Irma. No, in case someone else doesn't remember, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Um, in case someone else doesn't remember, um, a shielder is just a village girl um just a normal girl from the village except she has a vivid imagination and she's quite uh, alone lonely and fragile and she's the only child and she doesn't have a mum she has a dad and she um they have to use her ability to they kind of put a, a, the Meyer helmet on her mm-hmm. so they can project mm-hmm. and so they kind of have to use her power and then they drain her out and that's how she dies. Oh. It is a trope. Yeah. It is, right. And it's... I hope we will make note of it if we notice any... that it, like, comes up again when we're rewatching. Because I think it might. I feel like it comes up a lot. But I can't think of any other examples. But we've already said quite a few. Yeah, there's quite a few. Quite uh, a but this 50. is the first time. And, yeah, I just don't really enjoy her character... I, we've talked quite a lot about this, you and I, Irma, mm-hmm. how um, there's good actors and then there's just a performance where someone really does a perf- like a performance and wow, no one else could have played that. She made that role. Mm-hmm. And I think the doctor has always been a performance role. Mm-hmm. Like that's why... Um, <laughs> Which that Jody doesn't work because she's an actor who's good, but is it a performance? No. Yeah. But that's also I mean, obviously with the doctor, multiple people have played that role. Mm. So it makes it even more impressive when someone can take that part and really make it their own. Yeah. Because obviously a lot of actors have done it and you really need to be able to make something new with it. I think that's what Gwyneth needed to be. We like I her I think the writing for her is fine. It's not bad. It's not like she doesn't have characteristics. She has like we spend quite a lot of time with her, but I don't feel absolutely anything when she dies yeah because if we had someone and i think that's like 
there are very few people like that. Like Sally Sparrow really hits mm-hmm. because that's a not a performance, but that's like that's a really good casting. And I think Eve Mars isn't bad. It's not bad. It's just like yeah, and of course is, was she like essential to this role? No. Yeah, and of course our main characters are Rose and Nine. Mm. So we can't do a Sally Sparrow for every episode where like that episode that episode's character takes all the focus and everything is about their performance. Mm. But uh I think of like Lost episode with uh Nicki Minaj. <laughs> what was her name? The Jabe Jabe Jabe. Mm. I feel for her when she dies. Yeah. Because well, I I'm not like sad, uh, but I do still feel something. I think in terms of performance, like I think it's possible to care about a character and think that um they yeah. stand out and you remember them without it being like, oh my god, Oscar-worthy performance. Obviously, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and like, there are, there are boring side characters, then there are side characters that absolutely steal the show, mm. and then there are the ones... Rita! Who, yes, and then there are the ones who just work in the episodes, but you're not like... Oh, I'm still thinking about this character years no. after I watch it. But they work really well in the episode. I think about like the side characters in Midnight. I right. mean, I'm not like obsessed with them, but they work really well in that episode and they are exactly what they need to be. Yeah. This is just it's not hitting home. It's fine, but I don't feel anything like we've said, which is kind of what this episode boils down to. Doctor Who historical episodes don't tend to be great no a lot of them are really bad because <laughs> it's about the aliens yeah it's like it's not about the history it's about and i'm just like it frustrates me because it's about time and space and it's not space and then a little bit of time like no we should have both of them and obviously they haven't done just time since like they started with that and with the second doctor. Like they've always had aliens with the time aspect. I think that's boring. Uh that every single time there's always an alien thing to it because they like focus on the alien instead of actually learning something about history. But Yeah, it would be completely unheard of today mm. to have an episode of Doctor Who where they go back in time and there is no sci-fi element to it. Yeah, and that's what frustrates me because I, I like history. So I feel this excitement that Rose feels about like just seeing... No, but I feel like with Stockholm, like um, where we're from, I feel just like when I hear or see old photographs of, of Stockholm, I just feel like it's so weird to have this place where I've lived all my life and not be able to really like see it in my head the way it was. Like it's weird to walk on a street. Like with um, Olof Palme, mm-hmm. it's so weird to think that Sviavägen, which I walk on all the time, is a place of such a major historical event. And it happened right there and it wasn't so fucking long ago. But at the same time, so much has changed since then. Buildings have changed 
Like now it's fucking Urban Deli instead of yeah. the store where he was looking in the window before he died. And like, it's so... Yeah, and imagine like walking through Gamla Stan and like the people who were massacred there in the 16th century. And it's just all of... It's insane. It, it makes me like, I can see photos, but I want to go there. I, I want to, I, I can't picture it. I want to be able to walk through those streets. Like, or if I hear my mom talking about my grandparents and her family when she grew up. And I, I knew these people and I've seen photos of them, but I haven't been there when this happened. And it feels so weird because it's part of me and it's part of my life, but I don't get to be there. And so, and you, you can read all these books and you can see f- either like paintings or pictures but you like just imagine being there and seeing it for real like and it's so i feel like it's it's never really given the respect it deserves and it's never treated as something as interesting as going to say an alien planet like just building up something and making it realistic is i think it's I think that's brilliant. I want to see that. And I think yeah. it's a shame that they don't do that enough. But um, but there's one thing that they, they do get wrong. They get multiple things wrong. But um, uh, I like that they, they, they... Oh, they're so close. So Rose is so ready to go out and get out there. And Nine's like, whoa, what are you doing? You can't go out like that. They're going to think you're crazy. You yes. Have to, you have to change oh. clothes into... You need to dress historically appropriate. And then she doesn't. <laughs> she goes and she changes clothes. And she comes back in something that's like vaguely kind of ish. It's ye like old a fancy time. dress. It's like, a f- it's like a fantasy kind of Victorian. And this is where like. Don't, like this is. I would never do this as a, if I was a part of the production team. Like I. And of course people don't know as much about history as much as me and they probably don't care as much but if you i don't want to be like i want to be in on it i want to be able to watch doctor who and be like yes we are in roman times Mm -hmm. and then we are in pompeii but then i get taken out because donna's wearing a dress with a zipper on it like i can't like Mm -hmm. no it's so easy it's a fucking toga it's just like put a fucking sheet on her or something why is it purple like it's like no and it's so it takes me out of it and if you know like why it's just like lazy it's so it's so easy i I feel like they just need someone like me who really respects history and cares but like yeah it's i mean when we talk about it we're both quite invested and like on the same page about it and then you talk about it with someone else and you realize just how little people care about it. Like, yeah. they really... It doesn't matter to most people that, like, oh, the sleeves are not accurate, or, like, the... I don't know. <laughs> or the skirt is not the correct silhouette or whatever. Like, people don't care about that. And to some extent, I don't know if I care either. I mean, it's certainly a lot more fun if you feel like there's thought put into it um but i'm not like entirely taken out of a scene if i feel like it's not 100 percent accurate in this case 
I think it's fine. Like everything just looks horrible either way. <laughs> so to me, it doesn't like matter that Rose, that Rose's dress is kind of cheap looking. She looks beautiful. It's not that it's cheap. Billy Piper looking. looks so pretty in that dress. I am glad that they even did anything. Yes, me but, too. And I, I understand what you mean, and I I do get that that. But I feel like the production team should care. Like, or at least, like, I th- I'm pretty sure Doctor Who doesn't have a historical researcher. And I feel like that's someone who should be in-house and doing that. Yeah. Because for any other uh, period drama, even if they they have, like, a kind of excuse or just, like, a, a directorial authority where they feel like, no, let's, you know, we see where it comes from, but we want to do our own style fine but they usually always have a historical researcher or someone who kind of fact checks or just something and i'm pretty sure doctor who doesn't have one because i've never seen one in the credits and i'm it's just like kind of but again and like and i feel like that also would pay respect to the beginning of the show which is that it was supposed to be something that taught people about history Mm mm-hmm uh, and science, but yeah, then it was supposed to be educational, hmm. and well, yeah. So I don't really mind Rose's dress in this one. Maybe because it's I like, don't mind it, but I just don't say you need to dress historically accurate, and then she comes out in something inaccurate. Yeah, that doesn't make like just logically that doesn't make sense. If she had just been, if she Rose had been like oh, I can't wear this. And then she, without any knowledge of history, thinks she puts on something accurate and then someone later is like, what are you, okay, you guys look weird. But then the, but like the show thinks that this is accurate and then just like, mm. I mean, okay, I'm, I'm fine with her dress because you can barely see it anyway because it's so dark. The thing that bothers me is the fact that Nine doesn't change his Yes, clothes. I was gonna get it. Like, because oh. he's the one who tells her she needs to change. And then he's like, I just, I changed my jumper. Like, no. Sir, come on, guys. Like, it would have absolutely killed us to see Nine in a suit. He looks so hot. What else happens in this episode? Um, Oh, on the same scene when he says, you're beautiful. Oh, yeah. Oh my so god! Cute. For a human, and also he's <laughs> no. I like that, but also I like that little thing. But I also like the fact that for the doctor, because he's traveled so much through time, because Rose is like, oh really? In this, because for her, like this is all frumpy and old. But for him, old fashioned and beauty ideals are beautiful. Yeah no matter what time they are from because he's not human and also he's traveled all through time like because i i have a hard time relating to that because i'm so into history at this point and i know people nowadays think certain like eras are weird and ugly like i look at like a medieval dress and i'm like ah oh, that's so sexy and my mom's like that's the <laughs> ugliest thing i've ever seen what are you talking about so i really like that about um nine because he doesn't see time like that another sorry another question so they mentioned in this one for the first time Mm -hmm. that um the tardis translates i think no that was last episode was that last episode yeah so um we can talk about it i wonder if 
Um, what do you think? Do you think the doctor speaks English or do you think the TARDIS translates him? So oh. like if the doctor's in, if you're in the TARDIS with the doctor, for I, us, he's speaking English, but for him, we're speaking Gallifrey. I think he's actually speaking Swedish <laughs> the whole time. And uh, yeah, if we would meet him, we would actually be able to hear his real words because he would be speaking Swedish. Imagine him in Swedish. That would be so terrifying. It would, yeah. Oh my god. He'd be like, hey Irma, vill du resa i tiden med mig? Vill du resa med mig i tid och rum? Vill, vill du vara min kompanjon? <laughs> Kom, hoppa in i Tardisen. Nej! Så ska vi rädda världen. <laughs> Horrible. So, um, you know what I think is weird about series one? What? How... Much of it is about farting. Oh my god, you're so right. Because this whole episode is about gas. Yeah, and because <laughs> the first, which and it, it's it could be any type of gas, but obviously <laughs> yeah. there's the episode coming right after it with the farting Slitheen. Mm-hmm. But um, in this one, it's specifically mentioned that the Gelf came here to Earth, um, and they manifest through the gas. That leaks from corpses, which is farts. Oh, I didn't realize that. I was like, gas leasing, leaking from corpses? What does that mean? It's farts, because far- corpse fart. Oh, really? Corpses fart, yep. That's so interesting. Um, oh, yeah, we, we didn't get into this. Uh, Charles Dickens, he has that talk with the doctor, because he kind of, once, once he accepts that there are aliens or beings mm-hmm. that he doesn't understand he has this kind of like not mental breakdown but he's very he's sad ra- he's rattled he's yeah he's like he's rattled and he's kind of torn over the fact that he has thought for so long that he understands the world that he's in and he's like have i always been wrong uh and nine says not wrong there's just more to learn which i liked i thought that was quite nice and i think that's a classic, like, small little line that's so Doctor Who because it really, like, it's a nice way of looking at the world. Like, just because your views are being challenged doesn't mean that you were wrong or that um, that it's simple as this is wrong and this is right. It could also mean that... it, Or it doesn't mean that you were stupid. It could also just mean that you you weren't finished yet. There's so much more to learn about the world and about yourself and everything. I swear that I did not hear this line. Okay. <laughs> I don't because my reaction to this scene was that like this is really odd that they're making him say all these things and not like um challenging them or refuting them because he's obviously wrong mm. like even if there are aliens doesn't mean that the issues that he writes about are any less important or real, but they don't. Or I mean, maybe they, they maybe they did. Because, they do. <laughs> yeah, but I don't remember that at all. I'm gonna have to rewatch it. No, I'm gonna play the scene. Okay, please do. Can it be that I have the world entirely wrong? Not wrong. There's just more to learn. I've always railed against the fantasist. Oh, I loved an illusion as much as the next man reveled in them. That's exactly what they were. Illusions. The real world is something else. 
I dedicated myself to that injustices, the great social causes. I hoped that I was a force for good. Now you tell me that the real world is a realm of specters and jack-o'-lanterns. In which case, have I wasted my brief span here, Doctor? Has it all been for nothing? Okay, here's what I think. You were right that that line was in the episode, but he says it before this long monologue, right? The Doctor does say that line, which I like. I really do like that line. It's nice, um, for the reason that you explained. Mm. But um, he says it after Dickens has just said, like, one thing. Mm. And then he goes on and says 20 other things. Yeah. And then they just cut away. So, like, the things that he says afterwards are never really challenged. And that's where the meat of the argument is, I think. Where, and that lends some kind of weight to it, that that's never... Um, rebuked. Do you understand that he? I get what you mean, but I don't agree that it's an argument. I think it's more supposed to be just showing that he's distressed about it, and just here's a man who thought his world was this thing, and now he learned. This is how he reacts for realizing that it's something else. Yeah. Um. I don't really think it's. A very reasonable conclusion to draw from these things if mm. you because if you're someone who really deeply cares about these issues that you've been writing about mm. mr dickens <laughs> who like actually cares about starving children mm. and poor people uh, and injustice then why would you think oh but because ghosts are real and there are like things beyond are beyond human knowledge. Mm. That means that people who are suffering, that their pain is not real. Why would you think that if you're actually someone who deeply understands and cares about these issues? I don't feel like mm. that would be something that would like um, contradict what you already know about the world. Because as we already talked about, the 19th century was an era of of discovery and of changing views and changing how we saw the world and understood reality and there was so much happening in the fields of science that completely revolutionized what we knew about our existence and about the world around us that it seems kind of like an odd thing to be like oh does this mean that the problems of society does it don't matter well that's my opinion at least and i think i mean you're it would be it would be preferable if you were more um if this was brought up again in the episode as a theme mm. to think about like what matters is it um 
the things close to us still matter mm. even when we are made aware of larger things i think i would have liked if that was um something that came back throughout the episode but it kind of doesn't and the fact that dickens gets the last word in this conversation kind of leaves it hanging in the air that oh maybe he was wrong maybe the things he wrote about don't matter obviously they do but i i just think it's kind of weirdly framed i think it's i agree with you i understand what you mean i just i think it's just that they didn't think so deeply about that so yeah obviously because it feels so much like the type of scene where nine would have had like a very nice profound reassuring line after this just like the one he has in the beginning uh and it feels almost like he was supposed to do that but then they just cut it out because they were short on time or something it's just that gattis doesn't write like that yeah that's yeah that's very true he doesn't write deep stuff yeah they're not very profound any of his stories they're just like and he sprinkles it in there like this little monologue but then he doesn't really go anywhere with there's it. There's no depth to it. It's just like people are saying things yeah. <laughs> that he thinks are interesting and then he doesn't go into like anything. Yeah. But... He's very surface level. Mm-hmm. But I think the brief scene that this is, yeah. um, is um, it's still good food for thought. I think it makes for nice discussions. Even though it was like kind of underutilized in the episode. Mm. But I really liked how it ties in with the poem that you chose for this episode. Oh, yeah. And would you like to read it? Yeah. Um, Irma really thought this fit in. So, yeah, with this specific thing that we both had some thoughts on. Yeah, and I'm a slave to whatever she has to say. This is called Mysteries, Yes, by Mary Oliver. Truly we live with mysteries too marvellous to be understood. How grass can be nourishing in the mouths of the lambs. How rivers and stones are forever in allegiance with gravity, while we ourselves dream of rising. How two hands touch and the bonds will never be broken. How people come from delight the scars of damage to the comfort of a poem. Let me keep my distance always from those who think they have the answers. Let me keep company always with those who say, look and laugh in astonishment and bow their heads. Thank you. That's so good. That's perfect for this episode. Yeah, I and exactly it. what I feel uh, I would have liked to have heard from nine mm. like there is wonder in these things on earth these things that are close to us and the fact that there is something bigger doesn't take that away yeah that maybe the the, the episode would have been better if it had like an end like the poem does where mm. he kind of shuns dickens view of the <laughs> world and instead where he shuns dickens which would be great, but like also th- where he kind of 
I mean, he's already chosen Rose, but he really chooses Rose again. Um, or at least he um, is, it's reiterated why he wants to travel with her and why he chooses her. Mm -hmm. Because she's one of the people who sees, still thinks about Gwyneth, where um, Dickens is thinking about, like, if ghosts exist, why does people like, why do people like Gwyneth matter? Yeah, and I think it could have solidified why Dickens is in this episode if they had made more of a point of, like, the importance of his books. Yeah. And I'm still speaking as someone who doesn't like Dickens' books, but I can still... Or the one book you've read. Yeah, or the one book. Uh, but I can still see the importance of the topics that he brings to light. Mm. And... I think, yeah, if they wanted to, like, actually have a good reason why Dickens is in this episode, because as it is, there's no good reason why he's in it. Yeah. They could have made that kind of a theme of the episode, that even when we find out about other worlds and things that seem extraordinary to us, yeah, what we have right here around us is still worth uh, thinking about and talking about and improving and we still need to work on on that we can't like ignore it just because there's something else now i think you truly found what how russell would have written the episode thank you i think that's what he would have yeah i i get it yeah I, agree, I, I was like I, I didn't understand what I didn't not that I didn't understand but I um I wasn't exactly on the same level as you but now I yeah that's how that episode would have been better yeah mm -hmm. they could have really improved it and made it deeper yeah, in general instead of just like an episode we're like okay we're kind of taking a pause in the character's development and kind of teaching the audience anything we're yeah. just like sitting here watching a show yeah in general the we do like the episodes that have a theme and a message. I think every episode and every season should have one. Yeah. Like, otherwise, why are we here? Yeah. Just have fun? No. <laughs> We're not here to have fun. And I also know, Absolutely like, <laughs> I've both both Irma and I have uh, worked a little bit in television, um, in different parts of the production. Mm -hmm. Depend. Obviously, like it's different if you're the writer, if you're the creator of something, but. People within the crew don't care that much about stuff like that. They just mm -hmm. like, they focus on their, obviously they focus on their branch and they like that. It's not like they're sitting there like how I feel. I personally think, and I think a lot of people within production maybe wouldn't agree with me, but I really think every episode should have depth. Otherwise, again, like what I said, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> And that's how you get art. It's definitely very much up to the producer mm. the writer and the director mm. to decide do i want to just make cheap tv mm. just something watchable or do i want to make something that will move people yeah. and that will touch them and that will be remembered and affect someone mm. and that matters and i think yeah. doctor who really really does that um i think it's 
some of the most profound television I've seen. And that's why I'm not ashamed of liking it. <laughs> but it's, it's really... Um, so it's a shame that there's so many episodes where they just kind of slump with that, where mm -hmm. they don't, where they're just kind of a little bit lazy. Yeah. No, you know, like Doctor Who has it at its best. And obviously it can't always be at its best, but it should always be trying. Yeah. I think. Like spend a little more time mm -hmm. if you can. I, I don't know. I know BBC has never really respected Doctor Who, which is crazy, <laughs> but, and they always want to kind of slash the budget and, put in a later time slot so less people can watch it and everything mm. but at the same if there's an if there's a possibility come on guys <laughs> but yeah. um but i think there's one thing that i think they attempt to push into like depth or um profundity territory mm -hmm. which is the discussion or the argument between rose and the doctor about dead bodies yeah how do you think about that what do you think um whose side are you on that's really difficult because i understand both of their point of views mm -hmm. because like if i'm trying to be logical about it i'm like okay yeah the doctor is right there's no reason to let these creatures die because we have this abstract idea of what is wrong and right but that doesn't have any actual bearing on real life mm. but <laughs> would i like a, an alien species to like inhabit the bodies of dead people that i maybe know who have passed away would i like actually want that to happen no <laughs> i don't know it's uh so i understand where rose is coming from as well like i think if i was actually faced with that decision that would be really um hard for me to say yeah i'm completely okay with that and that doesn't rub me the wrong way yeah i'm glad they have someone in the episode who is arguing for that because these are it's so easy like death is usually so people who have died and passed on are usually so like eh, they're just kind of mm, they died like it's a long time ago whatever mm. but these were people who lived we have to have respect for the dead come on these bodies were people and they were someone's loved ones also according to religion we should let them rest we should let their bodies be but then as you say i also understand like these these creatures were going to die. Do they have the right to die? No, but do these people, should they be sacrificed, even if they're not alive, but should their comfort and their memory be sacrificed for the sake of other people? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Sorry. But no, I don't think that bodies are so holy that we should put them above like actual life mm. so in that sense no i don't agree and, and i'm more on the side of the doctor but yeah. like i also feel like i would be very uncomfortable to make that a decision if, if it was actually real yeah but not so much because i feel like 
not in the same way that you argue about it and that Rose argues about it. That, yeah. Like, we should respect them, but rather because um, it would just be very off-putting, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in that sense, I wouldn't want that to happen and I wouldn't want to consent to that happening. But, yeah, no, I don't think it's morally wrong. I think it's the morally correct thing to give these bodies to people who will actually benefit from them. Yeah, I I, I, I wouldn't want to make the decision either. I because think, I don't I'm, think... I, I think... I think you lean more towards the doctor and I lean more towards... Rose. Maybe because I don't think it's a shameful thing to be sacrificed at no expense of your own to save someone else. Like, it's when we talk about disrespect. Mm. But if I knew that in the future, my body is going to be used to save a living person, that would not upset me. That would make me happy, I think. Unless the person in question is like a murdering alien in which is the case here yeah but like, which is what i think that also cheapens this episode is the fact that they're evil yes oh my god you're like <laughs> there's you're like, like okay we're at something at least a little bit profound and they're like no and you're like, oh, come on gattis but there is such a funny moment when they enter like her body and they immediately like turn red like fire yes this there starts coming out like flames and no. they change color and they pull off this evil grin at first they're these peaceful like cold blue creatures who just kind of float around mm -hmm. and then they switch immediately into devils <laughs> and it's so it's so incredibly cliche, so ridiculous and over the top. There's another um, nine and row scene that we should mention. Oh yes, regarding holding hands like that. Yes, I was thinking said. about that. That's another reason why I thought it was so perfect for this episode. I'm so glad I met you. Me too. <laughs> it's. Oh, I love them. I love Nine and Rose. I feel like the first time when we rewatched this together, mm. you were like, that's a weird scene. Do you remember? I think it's, I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I remember that, but I can understand kind of if that's what I meant. How like, he means it so sincerely and Rose is so flirty with her reply. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, but he's saying this is someone, as you know, who's very alone and sad. Yeah. And he's so glad he has someone he can die with. Oh, gosh. And she's like, me too. And she's like smiling really big. You're like, no, don't smile. Look sad, but also happy. Like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't think she means for it to come across that way. Mm. I think she just has one of those faces that's like very. She's, she's very, first of all, she's very flirty. Yeah, she Rose is. is extremely flirty. She's always flirting with the doctor. And yeah, and she has like that the, very open, friendly face. And she's always like giggling and smiling and then yeah. she like, you know, she smiles with her teeth and then she ran she runs her tongue across her teeth. Oh yeah. Which she's like <laughs> she does that all the time. She does. Um 
But I think she really means it. And I think... Yeah, yeah. From what we know about Rose towards the end of season one, mm. the Doctor really is incredibly important to her mm. and really changes her life. Yeah. And just... Her whole world is so changed after getting to know him. Yeah. So... I definitely think I definitely think there's a lot of meaning behind those words for her. Yeah. I just think performance wise I think a, a a decision could have been made that was better than that. Yeah, maybe. But it's a very sweet scene. Yeah. But I thought because um I thought you maybe didn't like it because it's so early on in their relationship. I mean, this is episode 3. Yeah, but but I mean, maybe maybe I've just made this up in my mind since you I don't remember I it. Don't, but there's so much I don't remember in that. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking, uh, I don't. Either way, um, I guess you don't agree with that, and I don't agree with it either because I feel like they've so they've been through something traumatic with the episode before, and now they're about to die. They think yeah together, and also they've not really met anyone like this before or i mean the doctor has obviously met lots of people who were important to him mm. but at this point in his life yeah where he really thinks that like it's over for me mm. I've, I've lost everyone <laughs> and then this girl comes along yeah. and maybe it's not over maybe i can still find a connection and find something meaningful um and for her, you know, she's never encountered anyone like this before. Yeah. Who sees the world like he does. Yeah. Or, and allow, allows her to see the world in a different way. Than exactly. The limited view she's been given. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and been allowed to like and accept. I think they very quickly become very important to each other. Yeah. There's a, there's a line um, at the end of this episode that I thought really nicely sums up the Doctor. And it's such a simple phrase, and it, it's such a humble way of describing himself when um, Charles Dickens asks who he is. He says, just a friend passing through. Yeah. And it, it's very Doctor, and it reminds me of um, in series six when Eleven thinks he's going to die. At the mm. end of the Craig episode, he oh, goes yeah. up to some kids and uh, he thinks he's going to his death. And he goes up to these kids and they're not even, and they just stop playing and look at him because, like, there's this man coming up towards us. And he says, Hello, I was the doctor. I was here to help. And you're very welcome. And then he leaves. <laughs> oh. And I was just a friend passing through. Yeah. I've definitely heard that quote, or like seen it quoted, and I didn't realize that it was Nine who said it. Mm. I'm very happy that he got to say it. Yeah. I, I completely agree. It sums up his character very well. Yeah. Oh. Nine. Nine. We love you. 
Do you have any more notes for this episode? I didn't have any notes for this episode. Oh, wow. You're just basing everything on being able to talk about Charles Dickens. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm just going to rip into Charles Dickens. And that's it. <laughs> um, should we uh, announce an enemy of the pot of the week? I mean, can it be anyone other than Charles Dickens? No, it's uh, it's a resounding... Yes, it's Charles Dickens. Yeah, I know. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that you have like valid reason to hate him. And I'm just like, God, I can't stand his writing style. And also, I think I, I respect you, but also if you had read more of his books, I would respect you even more. And then yeah, like, but your mom you... knows what she's talking about. Yeah, but have you considered that but... Great Expectations is like 600 pages? But when did you read this? In 2018. Okay, it wasn't so long ago. It was four years ago, but still. <laughs> yeah, I think I, like, formed my view of... Yeah. No, I was just saying that writing. because it feels like 2018 wasn't so long ago, but it's almost five years ago. I know. It was so long ago. Yeah, and as I said, I would like to read another of his books just because they're, like, important in the literary canon. <laughs> but, I mean, we'll see if I, I will be able to because... It was really hard to get through. Keep shaking the table. (laughs) I keep shaking the table when I move. So sorry if that (laughs) is picked up. Sorry to myself who has tried to edit it out and won't succeed. So next week. Next week. It's uh, the episode. I'm actually so excited about it. It's the episode. I know. It's Big Ben, ben Bongs. Bongs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I actually, I, I didn't watch the, no, I did. I watched the preview for that episode and I was so excited about it. And it's like not one of the good episodes. No, no, no. Already. Boomtown is much better. It definitely is. <laughs> World uh, War Three. Aliens of London, you're like, But I was still like, oh, I can't wait to watch this. It's because, I know why, it's because it is so important in the Irma Daphne canon. It is, it really is. Yeah. It's Uh, important to our friendship, it's a, it's a, a staple in our history. Yeah. And it deserves an Oscar. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Best subtitles. Best subtitles. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, we will get into that next time. Sit tight, because then you're going to find out what the fuck we're talking about. Because yeah. now you're just like, what? What? What who's, is going on? Who's Ben? Who's Ben Bongs? Who is Ben Bongs? And <laughs> why is he really that big? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll find out on next episode <laughs> of Doing the Woo. All right. Bye. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.